Hey everyone, welcome to episode 18. We are now uh, an adult podcast, so congratulations. Today we are talking about Origami Studio, which was just recently announced at Facebook F8. And also the main topics are how do we sync and share sketch files with a team and all that version control nonsense. And also the pros and cons of using a personal versus a separate account for posting your design work. I'm all sore, like my muscle, like my body's sore. Oh, you went to every the gym single today. muscle. Yeah, well, like three days straight, and uh, I did this like training with a personal trainer. I actually did it. Wow. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah, like offered me like a free session. Like, of course, they're trying to sell me their services. Right. Super expensive, by the way. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so like, yeah, I'm I'm completely broken. Everything hurts. Did you uh, find the right playlist? <laughs> uh, uh, Spotify. Spotify is working perfectly. That mm. Spotify running and all. And it's uh, that, that playlist, Apple Music playlist, Gym Flow. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what? I like created the playlist in Spotify. <laughs> so now like, because I, it was actually pretty good. Like I, I listened to it. Oh, wait. So you recreated the Gym Flow playlist in Spotify? Yeah. <laughs> So I don't have any reason to go to oh my God. Apple Music. <laughs> okay. Well, that was some follow-up already. Follow-up. But follow-up. <laughs> but we do have actual follow-up. Um, very, very quickly. Uh, last week we talked about... <laughs> it was actually, I think, like a minute or two. Because, uh, you know, I was doing like the chapter marks. Mm-hmm. And in that great app called chapters for podcasts or whatever um shout out yeah. thomas pritchard shout out You're the man uh so in that app when you add episodes it tells you like how long each episode each uh not episode each chapter is yep right so the facebook live thing i think it was like to th- from 30 seconds to two minutes i don't remember so <laughs> wow um so but we did talk about it and i just want to follow up very quickly on that i actually tried facebook live just for the sake of it um hashtag research uh so i tweeted it what did you stream nothing (laughs) (laughs) like um so i went to in the sketchcast uh, slack channel saying hey i want to try out facebook live is like is anyone up to it like you want to join in and I don't know, ask me questions or whatever i'll just show mm-hmm. you what i'm doing a couple of people there they said sure and then i tweeted and i started um so i went to facebook which by the way i think they are rolling out the feature like slowly i guess because here i like in my facebook app i i guess they now have like a like a, a place in the tab bar but uh here i don't Mm -hmm. so like i had no way in the app to like start a broadcast with the exception of if you see a broadcast on your timeline or newsfeed uh like below it uh, you see like start your own live thing so that's right is that the only way to to get to it well i don't i guess if you're in san francisco you have a (laughs) have a button (laughs) in the tab bar um but here that's how i found it like huh. a, there was no other place anyway so i started and i got like 10 people uh, 10 viewers and i was like hey say something like ask me questions i know like there's 10 of you so i know you're out there uh, <laughs> and it turns out that um only people in on your friends list can comment oh what no i'm not sure if this was like a setting that i didn't turn on or something Huh. But that's what. But by default, tell me. it's I all guess, your friends. I guess. I mean, when when you are starting a new live thing, um, you you can specify like what's your audience. Like, you want to stream this to just friends or just friends and friends, uh-huh. or or public. 
Right. So I, 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 I chose public and still like I got no comments just from one friend of mine, which was super awkward because I was, you know, speaking in English and, <laughs> and she's like, uh, hey, uh, anyway, so it was weird. It was nothing like it was nothing amazing. It made me realize like I was reading in a couple of articles saying that uh, one of the advantages of Facebook Live against Periscope is that Facebook, like, you, you have the largest audience. Like, Facebook has billions of users, right? Right. Um, and I, I, I thought that, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it is the biggest audience for Facebook Live. But then, like, for personal, like, for individuals, it, I would assume that, well, maybe it's not right. But, like, for, in my case, I have way more followers on Twitter than people following me on Facebook. Yeah, same here. So if I want to start, yeah, if I want to start a Facebook Live thing, even if I set it to public, I guess only my friends are going to see it in their newsfeed and then uh, only the ones that are, you know, online, I guess. People can I follow don't... you on Facebook. They can, but without who being does your that? friend. Who does that? Right? <laughs> Surprisingly, a couple of people. <laughs> Well, I think also if you do a friend request someone, you automatically follow them. Mm -hmm. And then you're just following them until they accept the request. Still. Well, maybe it's because I don't use Facebook that much. Yeah. And I don't have an audience there. I don't use it a lot either. Yeah. Even if I did, there was not the place where I wanted to share like tweet material. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I For a while, I tried the, to do cross-posting directly my tweets over to Facebook. Oh, no, that doesn't work. But, well, I mean, I tried it because I never posted anything. Um, right. So it was like, maybe. But then I started getting questions for, like, <laughs> from people in my family. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, what's this thing? And what's that? <laughs> it's like, why, right. why are you yeah, always talk talking in English? And I'm like, oh, God. Um, so I turned it off. So the gist of it is, even though Facebook has the biggest audience and number of members, uh, users, I still think most of the people like will actually have a bigger audience on Periscope slash Twitter than Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So maybe, like, I guess if I want, imagine that I'm traveling and uh, I want to share, like, create a broadcast for my family and friends. Of course, I'm going to do that on Facebook, not on Periscope. Right, but I think it's it's different audience, different purposes. Mm -hmm. But if I really want to broadcast to the world, I would use Periscope. Right? Did you um, see if they did anything interesting in the design side? Well, because I didn't have that many people uh, watching, and the ones I did, I guess they couldn't comment and like stuff. So it was very empty. Like, right. <laughs> I had nothing. I could only see like half of the screen is um, the camera, and the bottom half is for comments and stuff. And it was blank. So mm -hmm. I don't want to comment on that because I didn't really, like, I couldn't experience as it was meant to be. So, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that was it. Just a <laughs> quick follow up on that. Um, cool. Second piece of follow-up, which is not really follow-up, but it's kind of, it's related enough and it's not just like a topic of itself. So I'm going to put it in the follow-up section. Uh, last week or this week, I don't, again, <laughs> uh, probably last week when you were hearing this, um, it was a pretty good week for designers. So we had, on Tuesday, we had uh, the new version of Framer, which we discussed at length uh, last episode. And then the day after that, we had a Sketch 3.7, which we also talked about uh, two weeks ago, right? Yep. There you go. Um, pretty huge. And then uh, we also had in that same week uh, Facebook F8, the developers conference from Facebook, in which, um, well, the, the event itself which pretty cool, was pretty cool, but uh, there was a couple of talks uh, targeted at designers from their uh, design team. And one of the announcements that we had uh, was Origami Studio, which uh, is like an updated version of Origami. Famously, Origami is the prototyping tool. Kind of. It was built on top of Quartz Composer. But, yeah. Uh, it's, it was just a yeah. plugin, really. 
It was um, really a plugin, yeah. So they they announced a new version, which interestingly enough, on Framer, uh, Framer on the new update dropped the studio from the app. <laughs> <laughs> Previously it was Framer Studio, right? And now it's just Framer. In Origami it was just Origami. Now it's Origami <laughs> Studio. So like, they they borrowed the word around, I guess. Um, so do you, do you want to talk like sum up? <laughs> yeah. Um, so you should watch the whole introduction video. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, but yeah, when they introduced it, it was kind of funny. They're like, we built this amazing tool. Um, but the problem is that it was built on top of Quartz Composer that hasn't been updated in years. Um, so, and it was kind of a painful app to use and like install and it's kind of clunky um and so that was the main problem that they try to address with this new version so what they did is they create their own brand new app um so you don't have to deal with course composer anymore it's a simple app origami you, you launch it uh and you have access to everything there so and they added a couple of cool features to it they added a layer list to make it easier to manage um, all the different views and layers that you have. Um, because before that, you ended up with like a bunch of nested elements um, and it required so much clicking around and like jumping back and forth um, between different things. Uh, they also added this neat little feature. Um, <laughs> I, f I feel like this some uh, pattern that we're going to see come up often uh, in design apps is this idea of creating components. So similar to uh, Sketch 3.7, there are symbols that you can create, and they're basically reusable elements. And you can override different properties like the color or like the prof profile images or uh, the name and stuff like that. Um, so it's now something that you can create really easily um, in origami um, and reuse anywhere that you need. Uh, one example that they had is they had a profile page um, component that they can use in any prototype. They just drop in this component, change the name of the person, change the profile picture, and done. Um, so mm -hmm. pretty, pretty cool. Um, and they also uh, now allow you to... Um, save the prototype directly to your phone so you don't have to be tethered to a computer uh, for when you want to demo the, the app to someone. What's cool about it is that uh, origami is in code-based, um, so it's kind of a, a difference from Framer, which is like really focused on code and is trying to make it uh, a bit more friendlier, whereas Quartz Composer is this like node-based kind of app um, that you can like drag spaghetti around <laughs> and yeah that's pretty much it it looks pretty cool the only bummer is that it's coming out later this year so who knows when we'll be able to try it um but i think it was interesting that like, in the same same week uh it comes up um comes out with framer and they're kind of both trying to tackle the same problem which is how do we make designers more efficient in prototyping, but they're really approaching it from two very different angles. So I was wondering, mm -hmm. what do you think of this? Uh, by the way, it's going to be free. Uh, yeah, it's going to be free because Facebook. Yeah, that's because Facebook. <laughs> uh, so what do I think? Uh, I haven't, uh, I haven't watched uh, the whole session like where they demo it. So I'm going to hold judgment like for this new version right mm -hmm. but what i can say about the current version uh, which by the way it was like quartz composer was the first prototyping tool i tried in like 2010 or 11 um, right so like i started out with that and the reason i don't it's not that i don't like it i love origami like i think it's it's awesome it's a very cool prototyping tool um it's probably my number two after Framer. Mm -hmm. And I prefer Framer. <laughs> and again, this is some, some, some of these reasons might have been addressed on this new update, right? But it was just like the, the messiness of it and how 
how hard it was to scale a project. Like yep. A, a prototype of your own. So if you want to drag a button around and scale it up and down, that's that's going to be fine. Um, I still think that even if you are very used to the tool, I still think it would take you probably longer <laughs> than just to write us two lines of code. But mm-hmm. that, 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 that was like the perfect use case, right? But when you want to scale that little prototype from just uh, one interaction, like one element and one interaction to maybe um maybe switch like between three screens with some fancy transitions or something that everything starts to get very very messy with that nose node based approach like ui wise like messy in in terms of ui yeah i find that so, you, you keep having to clean up after yourself and being like okay let's take a pause here and organize things a little bit yeah yeah and and, and again like the tool was old uh, cross composer i mean so origami again like you mentioned it was more like a plugin on top of like a skin on top of yeah. cross composer which now it's not anymore um i still wonder if they use quartz they have to behind the scenes but i don't know anyway. they they say they use uh, core animation directly um so okay. i'm assuming it's using some sort of native framework and behind the scenes but mm-hmm. i'm not sure about that Okay, okay, makes sense. Yeah, so I mean, from what I saw, which was very little still, um, like I said, I haven't finished the, the talk, uh, it looks like a big improvement, um, like with the reusable component stuff and all the, well, I guess, I, I don't know if they still call it patches. Um, I think they do, yeah. I liked how you can, for example, if you're in Sketch and you simply simply select a layer and you hit command c like you copy it and then you can paste it directly yep. into origami that was pretty cool so yeah i mean it looks good in my opinion i just prefer framer for this for the clean how how more clean and simple and minimal it is right uh, ui wise right of yeah course. i do feel yeah. that um uh, origami is a lot easier to get started with but then you reach a ceiling after a while, mm-hmm. whereas uh, Framer may, might take you a bit longer to get used to, but after that, you can do pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about last week, right? Of like, do you want to limit kind of the the ceiling of your tool from, at the beginning? Or mm-hmm. like, do you want to strive for something that's super easy to, to get started with? Yeah, because both tools are very powerful, but... Like, if you want to do very simple stuff, like, you have an image, or you have a gallery of photos, when you tap on a photo, that photo expands to take the whole screen. It may be at a little, like, dark in the background or something, right? Yeah. So that's a very very classic and, and simple interaction. For that, I think origami is easier to understand and maybe even faster to, to prototype. Um, especially for new users, I guess... Because even though this is a visual UI, like so, it's not code. Even though it's everything is visual, I I don't think it's easy. You know, it, this is not an easy intuitive thing. You can't just look at it and you immediately know how to work with it. Um, like all those patches and things, you still have connect like indexes and move columns and change the the, the you know the, the index of the numbers and add another patch to. A, a counter and so like mm. all that can get pretty messy so right going back when you are designing a very simple interaction i guess origami is simpler and a bit easier to get there to that final uh, result that you want mm-hmm. but when you want to do fancier stuff uh i i like that ui the origami's ui i don't think it scales well so when you want to do fancier stuff like Maybe uh, add a listener to the keyboard. If you type X, count the number of characters and do whatever, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Like like there was this, uh, in this example demo that I saw, like you had to, uh, you had a a, a gallery, like a a collection view, like a bunch of of, of avatars of people and you have to type, uh, to tap on two or three. Then you have to do some math, like, Take the number of people that you tapped and then add this number of 
circles or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. When when there's some logic to it, this UI gets way messier. Like I think it's easier to do in code. Like if x equals three, right? yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, then plus plus one or whatever. Then to create like get a new patch for plus and drag the little input and drag out the little output and then that like you want to <laughs> make one or like x times two plus three right so oh, yeah that, that, you can just type that out or that, you have that was to, the worst to do in origami yeah get the patch for multiply uh, for to multiply and then get a patch to do a little sum right yeah oh that gets pretty pretty messy and you can say that like yeah the 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 power is there. You can do a lot. But if you want to do like very hard, well, it's kind of it's kind of silly to say that math like this super operations is hard. But yeah, if you want to do this type <laughs> do of thing. Do complicated things like add up two variables together. <laughs> right. Uh, so if you want to do this more advanced, more granular control things, I guess... I I I think origami's UI doesn't scale well, and then everything gets harder than it should, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's my opinion. Um, but uh, again, I haven't tried this this new version. I think the one interesting advantage that origami has over Framer or even like things like Principle and stuff like that is that it's made by Facebook, <laughs> right? Like Facebook has a giant team of designers um and they're gonna be the ones that are gonna need to push the tool forward right like they're the ones doing all these crazy like animated uis and transitions and stuff like that um and they're also the ones that are making the tools and they have virtually unlimited um unlimited resources uh, to dedicate to that so i think it'll be interesting to see how they improve it over time um and i think it's great to have like a decent competitor to uh, uh framer just so well, that you know they yeah, i don't think that's fair they there's a lot of decent competitors really yeah you have flinto you have um principal you have but i, f- I feel like in the Excite. high fidelity um prototyping tool Okay. It's okay. like I the top ones that come to mind is Framer, Origami, and Principle to me. Um, that are like kind of the most. Yeah, I wouldn't put Principle. Even like, like yeah, Principle parody. is like the third one, like way right. below these two. Um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, okay. Principle is really promising. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, the more the better, right? Like it's cool that so so many people are interested about prototyping. Um, so yeah, 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 and it's free. I mean, it's hard to compete with that. I mean, it, I, I kind of feel bad for everyone else. Uh, yeah, like like there's no way the Framer team could could afford this. Uh, mm-hmm. They they have company. They have to pay bills. They have to pay salaries. And yeah, Facebook can do this. And you know what? It's I mean, on one side of yeah, on one side it's good that designers have a free alternative, like free tool that they can, you know, you don't have to invest to start prototyping. That's cool. Uh, on the other one, it kind of unbalanced the competition in a way. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, it is what it is. So yeah, let's let's. Um, they didn't give you a specific release date. They just said later this year. Which no, yeah, I don't know what that means really. Um, so let's uh, keep an eye on it, and uh, I'm looking forward to try it. That probably means December. Yeah. <laughs> nah, just kidding. Christmas present. Uh, but yeah, that was a huge bummer. I was like really excited to give it a spin. Uh, it's like, oh, the end of the year. Why did they announce this like now? Because it's F8. Okay, makes sense. <laughs> that's the only reason i see yeah okay <laughs> okay and by the way before we wrap this up uh if you haven't had a chance to watch some of f8's uh talks uh we're gonna link at least uh, two talks in uh, in the show notes and one of them is it's called designing at facebook or designing in prototyping at facebook it's a very interesting talk um that that two designers uh like 
guide you through all the processes from research to prototyping to iteration all like how um how the design team over at facebook kind of works what's their anyway what's their process you like mm -hmm. uh which kind of ties in together uh our past discussion on how do we work yep so it was cool um check that out it's like half an hour it's it's, it's cool sweet all right sweet okay so main topic of today actually we do have like two topics both of them came from uh listener feedback listeners feedback um and the first one is from listener ken and uh to paraphrase like he asks us uh what do we think about like versioning control for designers right uh and yep. how do we handle like you know, share, like working with the same file across a design team. So multiple designers are working on the same file or project. And what do we think about it? If we, And if we have tried any of these um, version control systems for designers, he he mentioned this. Uh, it's one called Pixel Labs, which I have never seen before. Um, we can go back in a second. Version control systems for designers, I... I think this is like is it's a very old idea uh and I've seen a couple of implementations um the most famous one I, I can think of was Layer Vault which was a company behind mm -hmm. Designer News uh, if you uh, were familiar with that uh, but gosh I still type news.layervault <laughs> almost know. daily I know I had to like replace it on all like the bookmarks and stuff uh yeah so Layer Vault the um, it, it was a, they had like a product, I, I think Layer Vault was like the name of the company and the product, I think. Yeah. Uh, which was exactly that, like version control for designers. And I feel like a lot of people have tried this because Git and GitHub is such a crucial part of any developer, right? And it becomes such a thing, like important and obvious thing that other people tried to create the same thing for designers in a way. And none have really made it uh there's no github for designers which a lot of people say that the github for designers is github but it's we can get that later <laughs> um so layer vault uh you had the products like you had huge well i don't know if huge but they had some funding and it was around for a bit mm -hmm. and never really succeeded never really right. made it until it shut down the project and closed doors and so did you say you tried it i did try it yeah i did try it and it's like it's finicky. It's like I never really could find a good like advantages over to just use Dropbox to sync the file. Right. Right. I mean, I know it had like you had this web interface where you can like if you are syncing a sketch file, for example, you could see all of the individual layers uh, or maybe artboards and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You could comment. So there. The features were there, the advantages were there, but they were not implemented in a way that it was worth it for me to basically completely change how I like use the file system with my design resources and all. And not only I would have to change that the the way I work, but all of the other, you know, coworkers or team members or whatever would have to adopt that as well. It required time and change. And the advantages did not make up for that. Like, it, it was not worth it. So it never really took off. And they, I like, one of the later last features that they implemented was um, they would offer you a, a web server, basically. So <laughs> uh, I was one of the, like, in the, was one of the first ones to try this out. They, the, I forget the name of the guy. But he offered me like some beta access in, in which you could create like a repository for your designs mm -hmm. and you could create, like you could sync up files, uh, like sketch files and, and just simple PNGs and all. And then Layer Vault would offer you like a, a mini server in which you could host, kind of like GitHub pages. So you could host all of that and all of your assets are already hosted over there. So you could create a website. Right. So what would happen if... Two people modified a document at the same time. 
because that's the thing that's a big problem when you're when you're editing code you can do a, a diff basically line by line see like okay this person changed these three lines at the bottom and this person mm -hmm. changed these two lines at the top so they can like merge like have the mm -hmm. merge together and like just resolve the conflict automatically mm -hmm. but with design a lot of the apps don't don't output to like a code as you'd see like a, an html file or a css I don't think file the, i don't think an app can do that yeah it, like it's not really how it works um so what happens is that uh, basically if two people are editing the same file you're gonna get a conflict and you need to fix it <laughs> Yep. Um, so it basically makes the tool a lot less useful mm -hmm. and that's part of why like I never found them to be actually worth it because um, then it's basically the same thing as um, just either using Dropbox and like you still have to sync up with people like okay I'm going to be touching this file <laughs> please don't touch it for a bit <laughs> while I do my changes um, a lot of teams that I've worked on in the past use Dropbox. Um, mm -hmm. The reason why uh, at Shopify right now, uh, we're, we moved away from Dropbox for certain things, uh, like our style guide, um, was the fact that just anyone can edit the same files at the same time. And we get like, someone would, someone would open the file and not have all the fonts installed, <laughs> like destroy the document yep. for everyone else, yep. or like accidentally move something to the trash. So <laughs> um, that didn't work. Um, so basically what we needed was for everyone to be able to open the files, but not everyone be able to edit them. Um, mm -hmm. So what we did instead um, was adopt an approach that was similar to uh, what Dropbox does. Um, and Daniel Eden has worked, uh, written like a really good blog post about what they do there. And we do a very similar thing, um, which is we split up our style guide across multiple files. So for example, like buttons will have their own file because um, mm -hmm. it doesn't work, obviously, if you have like one file with everything because then like every time someone wants to change something they have to be the only one making these changes otherwise mm. like you ha you still have to manually resolve the conflicts um and then um what we do is have the files on github everyone can like pull in the changes uh, uh and like make their update and then once they have their update, they can create a pull request with like a screenshot of what, what changed and stuff like that. Um, and then when, once like a few people review it and like put a thumbs up, then we can like merge it and put it in the, the main repo. And usually we don't have that many people like touching the same files at the same time because it's a style guide. So it doesn't change every day. Um, mm -hmm. So it works fine for that, but for anything else, we're not really using version control. And for a long time, I thought I wanted version control for, for designs, um, but now I'm not so sure about that. Um, and the reason being, I kind of want to see di my different versions all on one screen. You know, I mm. want to be able to see my first version next to my my second version to be able to compare them and see which one works best. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm like a huge user of artboards in Sketch, right? I have like, I don't know, 20 artboards in any given document. Mm -hmm. um, and I find that not only saving that um, history in case I want to go back to it, but also having it as a visual reference that I can go to anytime I want to like borrow ideas or like solutions that I created in these different versions is super important. So for me, like if I'm doing a design that I'm going to be the only one that, that is touching it, I still wouldn't want to use version control because version control is 
it's like you can go back and get the previous files but i found it really hard to have like that live like visual comparison like oh what did i did two revisions ago and then just go back really quickly see oh yeah that was interesting maybe i can mix it with like this other version that i did way earlier um and i find that that's such an in- important part of my process that um trying to use version control like simply wouldn't work with that so what's what's your approach to version control uh oh man so right now which it's not relevant to this discussion because i work for myself right now i just like i have one sketch file for any project the sketch file is in the repository like on github and basically every major version or every push i do i push it to github Mm. and that's like it's kind of like a backup and version control right kind of but that's not relevant i don't think i don't think that's the big issue i think the big issue is like collaborating like with other people especially mm-hmm. if the those other designers are working on the same files or the same projects so i do have some experience on this uh in my previous job i there was this period of time where i was put in charge mostly because i asked i really wanted to do this uh, i think i was inspired by uh, dan eden's post somewhere about how he was doing stuff at dropbox but um, so I took um, I took like a week, uh, not full time, of course, but I took like a week to think of a solution, think of um, a way to to make life easier for designers. Uh, so what I did was like we were not using Dropbox; we were using a very similar type of service um, called OnCloud. And put the link in the show notes, but you shouldn't. I really hated it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It was like it's like Dropbox, but worse. A reverse recommendation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but one of the things that HomeCloud has, which I, to be honest, I'm not sure if Dropbox offers this, but it has the ability to specify like if, if a folder is, like if other users can can read or write to it, right? Right. Um, so for for like style guides um, and reusable components of the company like uh, UI kits and stuff that we were using. What I did was I created this this um, this folder called Design Cabinet. I think I just copied the name from Dan Eden's. Um, it's like Design Cabinet in where we have like fonts, all the fonts that we were using like in the company, um, like books and resources, uh, UI kits and style guides and all that. And all of those, all of those uh, files were just read like for other people. I was like the administrator of that, so I was in charge of keeping those up to date. And like if we have oh, wow. a new... Uh, it's not that high maintenance, really. It, it's not So did people email you changes? or? Uh, yeah, yeah. I had like a readme yeah. file, so if, if any team member wanted to add suggestions or whatever, um, they could e- email me and I'll keep it. But it's not that high maintenance. Like UI kits and the, those reusable components don't change that mm. often, at least... It didn't back in that company. So, uh, and not only that, on the let, let's take example, let's take a style guide sketch file for example. Um, not only did I put it in a folder where it was read only, uh, I also locked the sketch files, which means that if you open a sketch file, it's fine. Uh, but if you want to make any change, it's just going to say, "Hey, this is locked. Do you want to unlock it or create a duplicate?" Right. All right. And that's just a layer of like reminding people that hey you should not save this so if you open that file and you want to use it on your own and change it create a duplicate and mm-hmm. work on that so nice uh, that's just like another extra layer of security to make sure people were not just like accidentally um like changing the files yeah that's a great um, tip yeah so i was doing that and then those are like for for like company-wide assets like Again, like style guides, and I, I think that for an agency it doesn't work that well because, you know, we don't have like the company's style guide really because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to use a lot because every project is unique. Uh, but we did have a couple like resources, like again UI kits and all. Um, and even if uh, someone was, uh, you know, opening a sketch file, it didn't have the fonts. Close it. It's definitely on the cabinets slash fonts folder. Right. We update that with all the fonts that we were using. Um, now it's fixed and sketch 3.7. Yeah. So. Yeah. Finally. Thumbs <laughs> finally. up. <laughs> um, so, and then for files that 
you are actually sharing with other people and working at the same time. Um, this is how we were doing. Um, a second example, so have this project uh, and there's two designers working on it. It was very rare that two designers are working on the same exact file at the same time, but it happens. Right. Um, so what we did was we always had someone responsible, like it's not the lead designer, but it's like it's someone responsible for that project. So I say, I'm the designer in this, and then you are like my like second designer, right? So uh, there was always someone responsible for the design on that project. Um, so we assigned that to someone. And then what we had is we have like the master file in a way. Like this is the file that if the client asks us for some mockups or if uh, you want to check how the design is going, that's where you're going. And then what we did was, let's say I have this file and now I'm going to create a new screen for the app. So I always duplicate that file. And again, I would lock that. Just everything that I was like, I, I'm afraid people are going to mess with it, mess with the file, I lock it. And it's very simple to do that in Sketch. It's just, I think in the name of the file, just a little, click a little arrow and check lock. Right. Um, so I would lock that file and then you would just duplicate it, append your name to it. So it's just like project master file slash Rafa, right? Yep. And then I, work, I would work there. And then that is it. I hit save. And then if some other designer is designing another screen or another feature or tweaking the colors or whatever, he would do that. He would do the same. He would create a duplicate, append his name to the file, and I know that's his file. He's working there. I'm working here. And then uh, maybe every week, maybe every day at the end of the day, um, or when you hit the milestone on the project or something like that, um, you would the, the 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 designer responsible would go back like to those two, three files and just like make like update that master file to have like the final changes. Right. And then like every week or every milestone or whatever, when you reset the, the clock, <laughs> you would <laughs> like do the same, duplicate it again, pin your name and that's it. Um so human powered version control. Oh definitely. Like <laughs> I I couldn't trust I couldn't trust a, a machine right now to Make like this design design conscious decisions of what's emerge. What what is emerge? Right. <laughs> like if if the button here is blue and there is green, what is emerge? Is it yellow? Is yeah. There's is no blue green? What is that? Really. Yeah. So this, also, I, I don't think that's possible. the thing. Also, is that if you let's say you remove a line of text somewhere at the top of the document and everything mm -hmm. needs to go up. So it's not just yep. like, oh, this got like deleted in this document. It's like, no, like anytime you change yeah. anything, you basically have to update the whole document. Right, right. So there's definitely tools that can help. Like this um, listener can recommended the Pixel Apps, which has like a diff viewer. So you could stack like, two different versions on top of each other, see the, the changes or side by side. Right. Right. So th that really helps. But I think like that helps like for an icon. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you have two icons was updated. You can see the difference. I don't think this works for a sketch file and we have 30 screens or artboards. Right. Well, so yeah, it could, it could, I honestly don't see a way and I haven't seen like a good proposal to, 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 to answer this, this question. So, yeah, I, th I still think human creation is the way to go. But, yeah. again, like with these little small tips and, and stuff, uh, basically like be organized. Um, it really helps. But, yeah, I, I, this is a problem that I don't think uh, has a, a solution. In, in one of those talks that we mentioned to follow up, that F8 design at Facebook talk, um, mm -hmm. In the end, they had a, a short session of Q&A and someone on the audience asked how, like this is that question it was interesting. I, saw, I just watched this today. It was kind of like a big coincidence, but they asked him, how do you deal with this? How do you sync sketch files? You know, how do you do all that? And well, Facebook has a dedicated team. This is crazy. <laughs> Facebook has a dedicated team just to ensure a consistency across like, style guides and files in general. <laughs> uh, 
But uh, this isn't crazy. We have this. You do have a team just to make sure the files are okay. Uh, well, it's not just about files, but basically we have a team called Patterns, um, and their goal is to make sure that everything is consistent across like the admin, because um, there's a bunch of different designers all working on different features there. Um, right. And before we had that team, what we found was that we had a lot of special snowflakes. <laughs> like for this <laughs> one place, the file picker looks like this, but for this other area, it looks completely different. Um, right. So now we have a team that is their role is to create and support these patterns for how we do things. Um, so cool. they set the tone of, okay, here's how a file picker should be. Um, and the role spans across the entire admin interface. So they have a lot of context of all the like different problems that all the different teams are working on. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then the individual product teams can suggest like improvement or like changes or additions to the style guide. So I think this, this makes a lot of sense to me, to be honest. Yeah, cool. All right. All right. Well, I guess I'm not used to big teams, <laughs> big companies. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so going back, uh, they asked him that question, and he basically said, "We are working on this for ten years, and wow. we still mess up. Like, there's no way to sync sketch files, like in a perfect way. Like, oh, two yeah, people. Definitely. I know they use Dropbox over at Facebook. So, yeah, they use Dropbox. If two people open the same file and working on the same file, you're gonna have a conflict, and then you're gonna have a headache trying to merge or fix that. So." Uh, to everyone listening, don't feel bad if you think you're doing it wrong because everyone is doing it wrong. There's no right solution. We just have to, you know, uh, try to minimize these problems. Yep. Yeah. Totally agree with that. So I hope we were at least a little bit helpful. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Well, uh, yeah, maybe we didn't talk much about these services like this uh, version control. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of designers that actually use GitHub. And at that previous job that I had, we tried that. We started out with just Git. Uh, but what we found was that, you know, a lot of designers are not familiar with Git. So mm -hmm. that's like an extra layer of, you know, things that you have to teach, new concepts yeah. and all. What's a, what's a commit? What's a push? What's a pull? So some designers are like, didn't really made much sense to them which is fair and even like for me that i was used to git um sometimes it happens like you forget to just pull new changes and sometimes it's like <laughs> okay let's continue the, the, the work that i did last week and then you go to the folder continue working then someone says dude i pushed like two changes to that like yesterday and yep. you know and, like, and it's a oh bit God. slow as well sometimes um as compared to you know dropbox um, or those syncing services. So, yeah, I tried Git. I know some design teams that use it, uh, but from my experience, I found it that it's really not ideal. So, yeah. Again, but now I use it because I really don't, I don't work with anyone else. So it's like, I basically use Git on the design side, but most like as a backup. Right. So why use Git instead of Dropbox if you're working alone? Uh, well, you know what? Like, Let's say, let's say, for example, my website. So I have a folder on Dropbox mm -hmm. called like my website, mm -hmm. which uh, is also a repository on GitHub. Right. Inside that folder, I have like the website, like the development folder, and then I have like another folder for design where I have all, like the sketch files and maybe some exportable assets and all. And those are in Dropbox. Basically, my whole file system is in Dropbox. And that's another tip that... Maybe I could share, like, I pay for Dropbox uh, Pro, I think that's how they call it, uh, and where we have uh, a terabyte of of um, space. And my SSD right now in my iMac is uh, 256 gigs. So it's like a quarter of the space that I have on Dropbox. <laughs> so what I do is basically everything is stored on Dropbox, right? right? So it's like... <laughs> Every project or every asset or everything that I have is like Dropbox slash something. Yeah. And then what I do is I'm gonna hit the I'm gonna fill up this uh, hard drive. So or SSD is it called still hard drive? I don't know. 
a flash uh, drive? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so when, when my computer fills up, what I do is I go to Dropbox. Instead of deleting things, and then I always regret it uh, later, what I do is I go to the Dropbox Selective Sync, and I unsync yes. specific folders. So I'm not actually deleting anything. Uh, they're just not in my computer. So for example, we have, like I have Dropbox and side projects, which I think I should rename that because they're not side projects anymore. <laughs> uh, and then I have layout. Inside of layout, we have like a folder for each episode. So episode one, two, three, four, et cetera. And then inside that episode, we have all the backups, the voice audio files. And then I have a logic file where I added it. And then I have like the final uh, uh, file. And like a logic file is like two gigs two, three gigs. So what I'm going to do is, like, I, I'm i going to have episode, like, 15 and 16, and then when I'm editing the 17, I unsync the the past episode. So I don't have it on my machine right now, but if I want, I can always download it back. Yep. So... This is why I don't do backups. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's getting easier. It's getting... <laughs> All my stuff is either on, on GitHub or on right. Dropbox. So, but to answer your, your question, why you use Git instead of... Well, not instead. Uh, yeah, you said instead of Dropbox, but as yeah. you can see, I also use Dropbox. But it's just because I have, like right now, I just redesigned my website today. So uh, what I did... Looks great, by the way. Thank you. Check it out. <laughs> uh, so what I did was just like, again, I have all the sketch files inside the repo. So I pushed like to the repository version 3 there. And then even though they are in back in, in Dropbox, they are backed up. If I want to go back to when I released version two and check out how the design was, I could go to Git and like pull from that point, right? Right. So I have the sketch files like they were at that point. So that's how I like it. Huh, that, that's interesting. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, so that's why. And also, I, I think it's nice to have um, your sketch files with the code. Mm -hmm. so that like everything's in this like same folder together right you don't have to like fish around for to find the right the right files yeah 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 sweet okay i guess we kind of exhausted that i don't know i don't have anything else to say i hope can that you this was, <laughs> was helpful in any way um and for everyone listening uh if you do have like a new way to do stuff that we didn't mention I would love to hear it, but because again, there's no right answer. Everything it really depends on who's doing it and what works best for you. So I would love to hear new ways of how do you solve this or try to solve this. So uh, yeah, uh, get in touch if you have opinions. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, so we have another listener question. Um, this time it was uh, Nicholas Peterson over Twitter, um, and he asked us about the pros and cons for posting design work on Instagram with a personal or a separate account. Hmm. So I guess the first question would be, why Instagram, right? I think... It, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming he's, he's talking about design work, I guess, or work? I'm assuming work? as well. Um, Maybe not. I guess I should look. <laughs> um, okay, designer, illustrator, web designer, and UI designer. Wow. There you go. Uh, generalist. Um, cool. So, yeah. Um, well, I think we can address it like globally. Um, so, I think, I think for UI design work and web design, Instagram doesn't make a ton of sense as a place to put your work. Because um, I think a lot of the things that we do are like, Either it's going to be a, a desktop screen or even a mobile app. Um, there's going to be a lot to it, right? And I feel like the Instagram square is like makes it really hard to show anything, really. Um, and I I find that if you want to be have like a place where you can post work really like quickly and to like put it in front of people, then Dribble is probably the best place to do that. Because that's what the people over there are expecting. Yeah, I don't think it's much of the size of the, the canvas. I think it's really just, I wouldn't look there. But again, I'm, I guess I'm an oddball on this. I don't use Instagram. But, you know, I wouldn't think of Instagram as a place to go to look for design work. 
Yeah, um, well, at least on Dribble, you can have like the attachments and you can zoom in, see the work, and right. like. Okay. Um, but the exception for that, I'd say, is illustrations and lettering, mm. which are like a lot more um, visual things. Where like I follow a bunch of letterers because um, I just like seeing that. Um, and I find that Instagram is the perfect place to do that. Um, because mm. it's, it's short. I can like browse through it quickly. I don't have to pay a lot of attention <laughs> at what's going on. Um, and it just works well within, uh, within Instagram. Um, but if you're doing anything more detailed, I'd say like try to find a place where the people, uh, in your audience are expecting it. Like, for example, I have a lot of like personal friends and like people in my family that follow me on Instagram. Uh, but they don't really care about <laughs> the work that, that I do. Um, mm -hmm. so, um, they might like wonder what was going on if I posted it on Instagram. So I guess in that sense, it makes, in that case, it makes sense to have a separate, uh, work account in a way. Yeah, for sure. You know, if you are going to post on, on, on Instagram, yeah, don't alienate maybe your, friends and family that like follow you on Instagram because of you, not really because of what you work, like what you do professionally. So maybe for them, it's, you know, it's, it's better just to separate those, like your personal life to your professional life, I guess. Yeah. I mean, unless you never post pictures on Instagram and it, like you only really have one account, then mm -hmm. sure go with like your yeah, one and only personal account. Uh, but I'd say try to avoid mixing stuff. Um, cause yeah, it's gonna like probably irritate some people that only care about either your work or only care about like your personal photos. Right, right, right. But, uh, I guess this, this raises a separate, also interesting question, which is, um, like how do you, how and why do you separate your yourself as a professional to maybe your brand does that make sense yeah um this is yeah this is an interesting question um so some people like use that um use like a brand name or like create a company for the things that they're making so let's say making an ios app while they're like creating their own company behind that um, and there's, there's advantage and disadvantages to that. Um, the advantage I guess is that you appear bigger, <laughs> look like, looks like there is lots of people working at this company where in fact this it's just you, um, that can be bad. Actually, That can be good or bad. <laughs> yeah. I totally yeah. agree. Um, so it really depends how you want to position yourself. Um, the good aspect, it really is that it might seem more professional. Uh, but the downside is that because people have this expectation that it's made by this giant company, um, they're not going to be as like forgiving and they're not going to, uh, like maybe they're going to be rude in the like support emails cause they don't think anyone's going to read it, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and if you put personality in, in your app and you put your name, this is it feels more like something that you made because you love it and that it's like you're the individual that made this um rather than like this like generic company um mm -hmm. so personally i'd say i'm i would try to uh go more with you as a person um because your reputation is going to follow you around for a long time. Um, so having like your name be out there is what people are going to remember. And then no matter what you do, you'll be able to use like that reputation to like kind of make a name for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I'd go for. Um, but I can see how like different approaches might be good for other people. Yeah, I can also see that. Well, for me, in my in my case, I like I'm at that position right now. I have a couple of products out there, and uh, maybe it's because I'm naive or I really didn't give much thought of this. But it's like 
I sign with my name because this is me and this is and I made it so it's like I don't even <laughs> think of it um so uh, so I'm about to publish my game for Apple Watch and I signed like by Rafa and uh, like with my name on and and the app is by me it's not I'm not really going to start a company on this I guess I guess it, it depends on how you position yourself on this. Like, is this going to be my main focus for the next ten years? Right? Is this like something that I really want to build and grow? And if you start out with that expectation, like this is I'm building this product to build my company around it, and you know you're gonna like down the line you're gonna hire people and all. So in that sense, right? It makes it may, it makes sense for you to actually like start with the company because even though right now the company maybe it's only you, the expectation, the plan is to not just be you, right? So be actually a company. So in that sense, I guess it, it, it makes it makes sense. <laughs> But yep, totally. Uh, for me, for me, it doesn't. Well, with Sketchcast, it's kind of different because it's not really only me, right? Um, so what I do is anything related, like. To Sketchcast, like I do have a separate Twitter account, um, like an about page, like I have everyone involved, and but mostly like everything that I do that it really is coming from me, not the entity, not the website. For example, the newsletters, every newsletter that I send and I send like once a week, um, I sign like. From me, this is me from Sketchcast, but this is me, Rafa. I right. am writing this to you and not like, hi, here from Sketchcast's headquarters. We are doing like, no, oh. it's it's me. It's <laughs> I have the best example for this. You know, um, the email newsletter from Envision? <laughs> Clark. <laughs> Everyone knows Clark, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it's just so much like more friendly than just having... Oh, you got an email from Envision, right? Yeah. So yeah. having like that person that you can identify with, like, really makes the company seem more approachable. Um, and yeah, people love that. <laughs> so yeah, yeah everything is more personal. Approach. Like, if if I get like Dropbox Business send me an email and it's like it has a typo or two, like, oh come on guys, you could have, you know, proofread this and anyway, if it's Dan from Dropbox is sending you an email. Like, silly Dan, you mistyped that. Oh, hey, here's a typo, <laughs> buddy. It's, you know, it's like, um, it's more personal. It's like you wouldn't, you wouldn't curse and, well, a lot of people do, but you wouldn't like, you wouldn't like insult like face to face to someone like in the street, right? Right. You wouldn't say like, <laughs> Hopefully. F. It's way Unless easier. It's way easier to say "f this company, f McDonald's," <laughs> than McDonald's CEO being face to face and say "f you." Right? It's it's different when when you're talking about a, a cold like a, a company. It's 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 a faceless thing, right? Yeah. It's way easier to really to bring the worst in you <laughs> than if you are talking to a human being. So. Yeah, yeah and I think a lot like. <laughs> Even just people who write into support, like for Shopify, um, we sometimes get like a lot of really angry people. Um, I bet, yeah. And people are conditioned to be like get overly aggressive in their emails um, because they're just they've been trained that unless they like complain really loudly, mm -hmm. no one's gonna listen to them. Um, mm -hmm. But when a person actually responds and our support is really good at being super quick um, and is super friendly and empathetic, They're, they change completely. They're like, oh, wait, <laughs> there's like a real person that's reading my email. Um, right. And their tone completely changes. Yeah. So having like setting that expectation from the very beginning, I think it is a good thing. All right. And that's it for the show. I think we can reach the end. Yep. Anything else you want to add? I think that's pretty much it. Um, thanks for the questions. Yeah, yeah. Keep them coming. It's always really cool to be able to answer your your questions. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it always triggers, like in my opinion, it always triggers a good like discussion. I, 
like I enjoyed talking about this. So keep them coming. Um, so yeah, all right. So thanks everyone for sticking by and listening. Um, you can you can find the show notes uh, in your podcast app. Scroll or hit show notes, or you can go to layout.fm and it, all the links are there as well. Uh, you can find us over at the Twitters. We are at layout.fm, and if you want to follow us individually, not the faceless layout.fm company, <laughs> but our personal Twitter accounts, uh, check out in, in the bio. We have links for our own personal Twitter accounts. And uh, should we rename this to the Rafa and Kevin's podcast? <laughs> maybe I don't know. I don't know. Maybe um, should do a poll. Ask people what they think. Or maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> uh, yeah, and if you want to get in touch, either reach out to us on Twitter or you can find uh, a link and a button all at the same time on our website at layout.fm again. And uh, yeah, thanks for sticking by. Thanks, Kevin. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>